If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn me, turn with me to the 12th chapter of Luke. I am not going to preach long. I'll keep my word on that. Okay. But we, whenever you meet together, you should always hear a word from the Lord. Always. Okay. Now this message, if I was going to put it in its perspective, like pastor Bill does, this message is five pages long. But I won't use all five pages. There we go. Okay. So I'm going to be preaching out of Luke, and I'm going to start at about the fourth verse. And uh, I'm going to read down through the twelfth verse. And Jesus is speaking of persecution in the day for the church. And how many of you know the church will go through persecution? Now I'm talking about the blood-washed church of God. I'm not talking about churches that we see standing on every corner. I'm talking about the one church, the church of God. Somebody say amen. But I'm not talking about the denomination, the church of God. Amen, yeah. I'm talking about the church of God, the church of the living God. And I'm, I, I want to start with that, listen, I, I pray... My prayer is that Donald Trump be our next president. That's my prayer. And if you don't, then you can pray the other way and we'll just cancel each other out. But my prayer is because I think that we need some more time and, and he will give us available time. Because I, I know that if, if Mr. Trump is president, then our military is going to be more secure. Can you say amen to that? I know our economy is, and I know our nation is. I know that. I know that if, if the Democrats get a hold of, of the uh, White House and get a hold of different things, that certain things are going to happen, and it's not going to be good. And so that's my prayer. You can have any agenda that you want, but that's mine, because I know this one thing, according to the Word of God, that... The church is going to go through persecution in the United States of America. The church is already under severe persecution in Afghanistan, Pakistan, China, uh, India, and in the uh, other parts of the world. And this I also know that, that the Muslims are coming to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior by the thousands. And they are coming to know Jesus Christ by the thousands because they're watching these missionaries be persecuted and killed for the cause of Christ. And persecution actually makes the church stronger and not weaker. And so we're going to get into some, some word here. And here's what the word is. And Jesus is saying, he's saying, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. And after that, have no more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear the one who after he has killed you has authority to cast you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. And are not five sparrows sold for two cents? And yet not one of them is forgotten before God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows. And I say to you, everyone who confesses me before men, the Son of Man shall confess him also before the angels of God. But he who denies me before men shall be not denied before the angels of God. 
And everyone who will speak a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him. And when they bring you before the synagogue and the rulers and the authorities, do not become anxious about how or what you should speak in your defense or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. And can we say amen to the word? So we look at this, and, and Jesus already knows he's going to die, and he's going to die at Calvary. He already knows that. If you look, I think it's about the fourth chapter of John, and it's about the 70 and 71st verse. If you start to look, it might be the sixth chapter. I'm sorry, it's the sixth chapter. And you look at that, Jesus tells them that one of the disciples is going to betray him. And he even mentions the name, Judas Iscariot. Okay, so Jesus knew beforehand. Now people say, why did Jesus choose Judas? Now we're not going to get into that because that's a whole message in itself. But here's what we need to know is Jesus knows everything from the end back to the beginning. He knows your life from the end back to the beginning. And if he knows your life, your life from the end back to the beginning, that's Isaiah 46.10, then understand he knows your destiny and what the outcome should be. Can you say amen to that? But God is not going to take away the choice of man. God still allows man to have choice. God still allows man to have free will choice. But he says this, so when he's talking in verse 4, Jesus already knows about his death and the death of his disciples. He already knows that he's going to be martyred and he already knows that the disciples are going to be martyred except for John. And John's going to, he's in Fox's. Did you know that John is in Fox's book of martyrs even though he wasn't martyred? But because he was burned in, he was boiled in oil and he would not die. And because he was fed poison and he would not die. Had all kinds of thieves exiled on the Isle called Patmos. And, and he did not die. And yet he suffered so much that they put him in the Fox's Book of Martyrs because he was a martyr for the Lord. Now, now these disciples and us need to have the same peace that Jesus has. How many of you understand that? So when Jesus is speaking here into these scripture verses, he is going to try to get us through the anxiousness and the fear of what is about to come. Now, those disciples did not have fear to die, but at this point in their life, they do because they're yet, they have not yet been baptized by the Holy Spirit and they have not yet had their minds opened up to the scriptures and God's going to do that. So right now, there's a lot of anxiousness that's going on with the disciples and Jesus is going to teach them not to worry. How many of you know that when you start to worry, that shows unbelief in your life and you're saying God can't do what God said he would do. And so then what we're saying is God is a liar. Now, I know that we don't purposely say that, but when we start to worry about things, then we're saying we're setting God's word aside and we start to operate in unbelief. And when we start to operate in unbelief, different situations take over in our life. Wednesday night was a good message preached to us. But before uh, uh, Brother Terry there preaches on Wednesday night, Nancy said, I want you to read this uh, article in uh, the Reader's Digest. And I read it. And it was this woman who was working in her garden. And when she did, she felt a pain in her neck. And she reached up there and there was an arrow that was in her neck. Okay. 
And so they rushed her to the hospital. Now, this arrow went right between the aortic uh, artery and also the jugular vein. Okay, went right there. And so when it went in there, it just moved him. It didn't nick him. It just moved him. And this woman's got this arrow stuck in her neck. Now, when this, when this young man shot this arrow, you need to hear this. When he shot it and he missed his target, it, it bounced off two barns and it bounced off a tree. It bounced off a fence and it hit the woman in the neck. And they rushed her to the hospital, and when they rushed her to the hospital, they found in her head an aneurysm, and they found in her head a tumor. And so she said the arrow saved her life, similar to what you was preaching about. And, and isn't that amazing how God operates? Now listen to this. He says, don't worry. Now when you got an arrow stuck in your neck, you're going to say, oh, get me to the hospital fast, right? And so Thursday morning, I'm coming home. And uh, I just got myself a new car for me. It's not a new car, but it's a new car for me. And I'm driving home Thursday morning, and I'm going north on D.D. Highway, and a car is coming south on D.D. Highway, and she turns right in front of me, and I'm going to have a head-on collision. I'm going to hit her right in the side. So I choose, and I take a field, okay? And when I took this field, I took this sign out. Like in the movies? I mean, I splintered this sign. They're looking at my car. Your car ain't hurt. My car was tore up, okay? But they're saying, oh, your car ain't hurt. Well, I wasn't hurt. Now, now, here's what I want to tell you. Saturday, myself, my brother, and my nephew, we washed the engine of my car. And when we got done washing the engine on this car, every light on the dash was on. And Lord, I, we couldn't get the car started. Finally, we get the car started, and it's my new car. Finally, all the lights go out, and it starts running, except for the engine light and the SRS light, and that's the one that's the airbag. And finally, the next day, the engine light went out, but the SRS didn't go out. So I went to Eurosource. And I said, what about this? And he said, well, he said, you've knocked out your sensor to your SRS. And I said, okay. And I said, can you fix that? And he said, yeah, I'll fix that for you. He said, but you do understand that if you're in a wreck, he said, your airbag's not going to deploy. I said, okay, right? Now I'm driving down this road. And if I hit this woman head on, my airbag's not going to deploy. Right? So I choose and I hit the sign. Now, that sign, I hit it so hard, would have deployed the airbag, right? And that airbag would have hit me in the chest. How many of you know right now I can't be hitting the chest? How many, how many of you know that thing would have probably killed me dead or in a wedge right there? Now, I know that you're going to have a hard time believing this. But I wasn't driving that car no more. An angel sat in that car and drove that car for me. Now, how many of you know, I felt kind of silly that we washed the engine of that car, but by washing the engine of that car, it spared my life. Amen. Isn't that amazing? It's like getting shot in the neck. Yes. Now, see, listen to me. The Lord teaches his disciples and he's teaching us, don't worry. Don't be anxious for anything. Because I'm going to the cross, the Lord's saying, and when I go to that cross, I'm going to take all your sin away, and I'm going to nail your sin, and I'm going to nail the robe of humanity to the cross. 
Now you're going to have to receive me as your personal savior because it's not going to be automatic. Listen to me. I do not believe in universal theology. I believe that men must come to the Lord and repent and receive him as their personal savior. This I also believe, because Jesus says it, that we need to confess him before men. Can you give me a witness on that? And so when I see this, and, and the Lord is teaching us not to worry because he's going to make a way for us. I did not know when we knock out that sensor in that car, it's going to save my life. Isn't that totally amazing? You know, I couldn't sleep for about two or three nights and I was restless. And I mean, I, I was needing sleep because I hadn't had no sleep. This thing was messing me up. And I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, if you're ready to take me home, then I'm ready. If you're not ready to take me home, then give me some good night's sleep. And I've been sleeping like a baby. And Shane, my nephew back there, said even God didn't want you. <laughs> Instead of being nice to me. Okay, here we go. So Jesus, Jesus is teaching us not to worry. So he is teaching these disciples that they need to have peace in him. He's going to teach us to be anxious for nothing. So in verse 4, he says, My friends, do not be afraid of those that can kill the body. Jesus is going to put fear into perspective. And we need fear to be put into perspective. He's not going to tell them not to fear. He's going to tell them to who fear. How many of you know that? Because he says, don't fear him who can kill the body. He's saying, don't fear anyone that says you are going to die if you don't denounce your testimony. And he's going to get into that in a little bit. He said, don't fear that man that can kill your body. But he said, I'm going to warn you about something. You need to fear the one who can kill your body and destroy your soul and throw it into hell. How many of you understand that's the almighty God? That's our father. And, and somebody says, well, why would our father uh, uh, be like that? Because listen, what his son did on the cross for you and I has to be recognized. The salvation that Christ give mankind, listen to me, God says, accept those and I'm going to be your savior. And then you don't have to worry. He says, but listen to me. He said, you need to worry. He said, if you're not if you don't have your faith in Jesus. How many of you know if you don't have your faith in Jesus, if you don't understand who he is, if you've never taken him as your personal savior, you need to fear him. Now understand this, even though we are saved, how many of you know we need to fear the Lord? There is an awesomeness of God we need to fear. Not that he's going to kill us. Not that he's going to Krispy Kreme us because he loves us. But he is God. Amen. Now people say the glory of the Lord has come into the house. Believe me, the glory of the Lord hadn't come into this house. Because if the glory of the Lord comes into this house, we're going to be laying on our face. How many of you understand that? The glory means weighty. And when the glory comes in, the weight of the glory will put you down on your knees and it will put you down on your face. Understand that. Why? Because that's who God is. Now, do we want him to come? Absolutely. I'd like for him to come in that way. But I'm going to tell you something. When he comes in that way, I'll probably have my head buried into the carpet. 
How many of you understand? We're talking about an awesome God here who created the world in six days. We're talking about Jesus who created the world. We're talking about Jesus who died on the cross for our sins and our transgressions. Listen, I'm going to tell you, don't take that lightly, but fear him. Somebody say amen and love him. He says, my friends, Jesus is going to put fear in his proper perspective. He says, listen, once they kill you, the magistrate, there's no more they can do. Tell you a little story. I I really am not going to preach long. I said that, right? Roland Taylor, 1550. Preaching the gospel. And he's preaching to those people. You must be born again. The just shall live by faith. And you need to love the Lord unto death. And Roland Taylor was a great man of God. But the Catholic Church at that time, which was the National Church, they was all upset with him, so they decided to burn him at the stake as a heretic. And they put him in the, in, in the jail, and they're waiting for the day. They let, his, they let his family come. His wife and his two little girls came. And he said to his wife, he said, don't you fear. He said, I'm leaving. I'm going home. He said, but you keep the faith. And he put his two little girls up on his knees. And he said, I won't be here much longer with you. He said, but you can understand this. He said, fear the Lord and keep the faith. And the joy of the Lord will keep you. And when they put him in in the prison wagon... And are taking him to burn him at the stake. People are lined up and they are crying. Now listen to what he does. Pulls a hood off his head. Jumps out of the wagon. And starts to dance. And they say, why are you dancing? He said, I'm going home. I'm going home. And you know that irritated the devil. But I'm going home. And listen, when they put him in the oil, they put him in a barrel of oil, tied him to a stake, and lights it. And he just raises his hands to heaven and starts to pray. And they have to kill him because the fire is not killing him. Listen to me. The joy of the Lord is the strength of the church. And can we dance and can we shout when the magistrate comes against us? When they come to me and they say, Pastor, we're locking your door. Will I knock the lock off the door? Will I serve the Lord? Listen to me. This is going to irritate some of you. But I'm not closing our doors no more. I'm done with closing our doors. I see this whole thing's a hoax. I'm telling you right now. Is there a flu? There's a flu. It's got 99.9 chance of recovery. There's a flu called COVID-19. But this was just a scheme of Antichrist spirit to see how much he could shut down Can he control the church? Can he control this? Can he control that? And he was successful, but he showed his hand. And ministers are saying today, no more. That's not going to happen. He says, now listen to what he says. Jesus is putting fear into perspective. After they they have killed you, they can't do any more. See, all a persecuted person has to do is die. How many of you understand that? Then they go to heaven. He said, don't fear the persecutor. 
God is the ultimate power over life and death. God has power over your life. How do you know that? Because Isaiah 46.10 says he knows your end back to the beginning. That's a no-brainer. If he knows the end back to the beginning, why should I worry? Because if I worry, I'm not saying he knows the end back to the beginning. I'm not saying that he has all knowledge. I'm not saying that he's a sovereign God. Actually, I'm denying all those things. God knows me. He knows who I am. And he's going to take care of my welfare. He's going to take care of your welfare. Listen to me. Don't fear those who can take your life, but fear the one who can take your life and cast you into hell. Let's go on here. One writer writes it this way. Have a healthy respect for God that makes us more concerned with obeying him than anything else. We need to obey him. We need to trust him. Here's another writer. Here's what he says. A man has but one life, one soul to save. It is madness to sacrifice the salvation of the soul to give in to someone who has persecuted you. And it's true. It's madness. Listen, are we going to be persecuted? We will be. Are we being persecuted now? Nah. When's the last time government knocked on your door and said, we're seizing all your property? Man, we think we have problems if we don't have HBO. We had HBO on our TV. My wife called them up and said, well, you got that on our TV for? We don't want that. We never watch that stuff. And you know what? They took that off. But she had to call them and tell them to take that off. We don't watch that. Some of us need to turn off TV. Some of us need to get away from the computer. Hello, I like Facebook when we come preaching. But some of you need to be careful what you put on Facebook. Give me a witness on that. Now listen to me. I am telling you right now, the main thing that we need to do is serve the Lord. There's not much persecution going on in the United States right now. But nobody ever thought... In this generation and in this lifetime, they will close the bars, close sport, close businesses, and close churches. Nobody ever thought in our generation, this lifetime, that homosexuality, they would try to make it the norm. Nobody ever thought in our lifetime that abortion would be legal and euthanasia is okay. Nobody ever thought in our lifetime that we would take care of an animal over a kid. Nobody ever thought that in our lifetime. But it happened subtly, and when it happened subtly, it brought us into it, then all of a sudden it happened quickly. Now when Jesus Christ comes, he's going to come quickly. Let me finish this. And you can get the rest of it next week. Jesus said, I will warn you. This is verse 5, whom to fear. Fear the one who, after he has killed you, has the authority to cast you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. God has great value, and he placed it on our life. And he wants, to tr- wants us to trust him and obey him. Missionaries all over the world are dying. Why? Be- because they trust and obey God. Listen, God has put great value on our life. 
That's why we can take the oil and in the name of Jesus lay hands on somebody and they're healed. That's why we can preach the gospel and give an altar call and people come to know Jesus as their personal savior. Why? Because God has placed great value on our life. The devil has placed no value on our life and all he wants to do is take us out. Do you know why the sinner gets to live? The sinner gets to live because God blesses him every day with life. If God took his blessing away, the devil would kill everybody. How many of you understand that? And the reason why the worst of sinners doesn't die is because there's still a blessing of God on, on humanity. And why is there a blessing of God on humanity? Because God values our life. And it's so valuable to him that his son went to the cross and died on the cross and shed his blood that we might receive life and we might have life more abundantly. John 10.10 10 says the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came to give life and he came to give life more abundantly. How many of you know that we need to be walking in the abundance of God? Not just satisfy ourselves, but walk in the abundance of God. How many of you remember the, the story of Ruth? And Boaz said to the, those who were gleaning, he said, leave back a handful of her. Leave back a handful of her for her. And we know that was a blessing of God. And it was enough to feed them. But how many of you know that God is more than enough? Because listen, it wasn't God's plan for Ruth just to receive a handful, but it was, it was God's plan for Ruth to marry Boaz and inherit it all. How many of you know it's God's plan that we inherit everything? Somebody say amen to that. That's why Jesus died on the cross. He died on the cross so that we might have life. He died on the cross so that we might be healed. He died on the cross so that we might be delivered. Jesus died because he placed value on who we are and why did he because he created us we're his children he loves us shame on people who kill their children shame on children who kill their parents and we live in that day and we live in that age that that happens but God has put great value on our life I'm going to read two scriptures and I'm going to show you how and then we're going to pray he said, don't worry about this life. God will take care of you. This is a hard day to live in. But this is going to be easy compared to about what is about to come. I'm not trying to preach doomsday to you. I'm trying to preach truth to you that you be ready. He said, don't worry about this life. So in verse 6, he said, are not the sparrows sold for two cents? Yet not one of them is forgotten of God. Now, now, listen, when I was a kid, I used to squash bugs. But you know, I quit doing that. I'm walking down, if I'm walking down the sidewalk, I'm not a Hindu. You know, the Hindu don't, don't kill any bugs. They, they literally hire people to lay kind of like in a coffin so the bugs can eat off of them. That's really nasty, man. You don't want to do that. I'm not a Hindu, but I don't purposely kill a bug. I guarantee you if it's in my house, I kill it. My, said, my wife said one day, don't kill that snake. That's a good snake. I had never seen a good snake. 
quit it. I'm preaching. She said, yes, there are some good snakes. And Terry said, amen. Yeah, my wife said, that's a good snake. It's okay. I didn't kill it. When she left, I said, hmm, the one that loves you is gone. Boom. No, I don't kill them. If they're not in my house, I don't kill them. But don't get in my house. Because you get in my house, you're in trouble. Right? But I don't kill bugs on purpose. They get in my house, I do. But listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said, you know, the sparrow, you can buy them cheap. He said, but listen, he said, God takes care of them. Do you know that God takes care of every living thing on planet Earth? He takes care of every living thing on planet Earth. He does. Now listen to what he says. He says, God hadn't forgotten those sparrows. Boy, I like this one. If God remembers the sparrow, will he not remember you? Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. He has not, he, he did not say that he knows the very number of hairs on your head. He said all the hairs of your head are numbered. You pull out a little strand of hair and believe it or not, it's got a number on it. You don't have no hair. Oh, you have five. Okay. <laughs> Understand, what's he saying? Listen to what he's saying. He said, God takes care of the very minute details that we take every day for granted. God will take care of you. He will have you do something foolish like wash an engine of the car so that you don't get killed on Thursday. He has an arrow ricochet all over the place and hit a woman in, in her throat so she doesn't die of, of an aneurysm and tumors. Nancy and I knew a guy who fell down and broke his leg, and he was so upset about that, but when they got him to the hospital and started doing x-rays, they found cancer and he lived. God will take care of you. And he knows every minute detail. If that's the case, then don't worry. And why not? Because listen, he died on the cross. He covered our sin and took away our sin if we're saved. He healed us. He, he, he uh, delivered us from, from uh, addictions. Listen, one of these days, we're going to be resurrected. Resurrected. My in this life, now in this spiritual life, we've been resurrected. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. If God remembers the sparrow, and if he has numbered the hair of your head, will he not take care of you? I know this to be true. Now, this is pretty neat about hair. It says that redheads have about 90,000 hairs. The brunette has about 120,000 hair on their head. And the blonde has 145,000. She needs more. 
Okay, you didn't get it. I just don't tell a good joke. God knows the smallest detail about you. And he's concerned about the very thing. So he says this in verse 7. And we'll pick up verse 8 next week. Do not fear. You are more valuable than sparrows. Persecution sometimes causes us to lose, lose faith. But persecution should strengthen our faith. Let's stand. I enjoyed today. I enjoy playing with these guys. I enjoy Christ. Now here's something in Psalms 138 verse 2. It says something about the word of God. And here's what it says. It says that God placed his word above his name. And there is nothing higher than the name of Jesus. Why did he place his word there? Because he wants us to take the gospel and faith and mix it together and unite it together. Right? Hey, listen, here's what I say about myself. I'm a Hebrews 9.27. It's appointed unto man once to die. But after this, the judgment. Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, he says, why do you want to be over wicked and die before your time? So we know a person can die before their time. Well, I thought you said that God knows the end back to the beginning. He does. But you can waste your life. God is available right now to take care of you. In Luke chapter 12 and verse 45. He opened up their minds to understand the scriptures. Boom. All of a sudden, right before he leaves, right before he ascends to the Father, he opened up their minds so that they could understand Old Testament scripture. Why? Because they're going to write the New Testament. They didn't have the New Testament like we did. Sometimes we think they had the New Testament. They didn't have the New Testament. They wrote the New Testament. All of their messages came out of the Old Testament. And all of their messages took them right to the Lord Jesus Christ. You understand that? He opens their minds to understand the scriptures. In verse 49, listen to what he says. He said, go to Jerusalem and tarry ye there until you are clothed with power from on high. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. So then in Acts 1.8, after that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall receive power to be my witnesses. Now the word witness means martyr. And so he says, after that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall receive power to suffer, even to die. People, let's, let's get that place Let's get to that place in God we need to be. Harold, just go ahead and start whatever you're going to start. Let's bow our heads. I mean, bow your head. And, and don't look around. Listen, I want to see any hand raised. This pastor, I do worry. I wish I didn't, but I do. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Right, I see that hand. I see that hand. Anybody else, you say, I worry, I don't want to, but I do. I see that hand. Anybody else? 
See, Pastor, I'll see that hand. Yeah, we'll wait for just a little bit as the Holy Spirit speaks to you. I don't want to worry. Okay, we'll just let's pray. Father God, as we come to you right now, there are those that have raised their hands, Father, and say we worry and we don't want to worry. So Father God, help us in our unbelief. And we'll give you praise and we'll give you glory. Amen. The man comes to Jesus. And he said, can you cast this spirit out of my son? Throws him in the fire and it throws him in the water. Wants to burn him up, wants to drown him. Your disciples couldn't do it. And Jesus said, that's because this kind comes by fasting and prayer. And so the man says to Jesus, can you? Now, if you look at that, there's an exclamation mark. Jesus shouted, can you? And understand, here's what the man was saying. Man, I want to believe. I just don't know how. And Jesus said, your honesty has brought you into belief. Brought you into belief. So he said, Lord, help me thou in my unbelief. And Jesus healed his son. Just take it to the Lord.